0: Welcome back to the On The Rocks podcast with me, your host, Vanessa Rock. Today, I'm joined by another guest. She has a podcast called A Little Bit Buzzed, and I don't know much about her life other than that. So that's why (laughs) I brought her on today because I'm so curious to learn about Mel West. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yay. So go ahead and introduce yourself. I love getting to know people by this thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced like anyone ever asking you like what is your ASL? Like age, sex, location. Do you know what uh-huh. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made my own little version which is like age, zodiac sign and location. AZL, okay, much better. We like that. It's like the more advanced AZL. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us
1: about yourself. Um, I'm Mel. I'm 32. Uh, I am a. I have a sun sign in Taurus. <laughs> My moon sign is Sagittarius, uh, rising Virgo. But, um, anyways, I'm clearly very into that. And um, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I'm talking to you from my apartment in Brooklyn, um, Williamsburg, to be more precise. Uh, I've lived here for two years, originally from Texas, then lived in Colorado for 12 years, and now here in New York. And I never want to leave. So
0: that's amazing. So you said you're a Taurus, Sagittarius, rising, and Virgo moon. Is that Mm -hmm. what you said? Mm hmm. Ooh, I love that. I'm starting to learn more and more about zodiac signs. And I love asking people about it because I feel like you kind of maybe will understand why people act the way they do, or Mm -hmm. you can at least feel like you can understand. Yeah. And it's really cool. My mom's a Taurus. No, yes, she is. Yeah. And I love Tauruses, they're just very wonderful people from my experience. I think so too. <laughs>
1: Never <laughs> met a tourist. I didn't like, just kidding. Uh...
0: What would you say is like, so you know about your, your all of your signs and things. Do you think it's accurate to you? Oh
1: yeah. Um, well, so I use two apps. I use CoStar and then I use The Pattern, um, yeah. which I think CoStar is really well known, but I think The Pattern's better. Um, and so that's really interesting because like when I was first reading the things it was saying about me, like in terms of patterns of my behavior or life or whatever, um, I was like, like it was verbalizing things I, I'd never put words to before, but I was like, yeah, that is how I feel or that is what I think, you know? So it super freaked me out. Um, and the bonds thing, if you like run, run it to see about your relationships with other people, that's been dead on too. So like my best friend, um it's like the bond is like this is an epic relationship you two will feel like you know each other your whole life like
0: all this stuff i'm just like oh my god <laughs> so yeah i definitely think it's accurate that's so cool yeah i have the exact same apps and like when i downloaded the pattern i was like this is reading me for filth like how does it know these things about me yeah, yeah. it was very weird um But I'm a Leo, so it's, like, I love the Mm. fact that I'm a Leo. Leos love being Leos, and they love telling everyone that they're Leos. And it's, like, my toxic trait, and I love that (laughs) about me. And, like, when I found out that that's what my Zodiac sign was, and I, like, started looking into it, I was, like, yeah, like, I believe this. Like, there's no way that I, like, kind of can't, because it's, like, too spot on.
1: Yeah, yeah. My mom's a Leo, so there you go. Your mom's a Taurus. (laughs) My mom's a Leo.
0: (laughs) What a little trade-off we have there. I
1: I like Leo's. People give them a hard time, but I think they're fun.
0: So Williamsburg, I want to discuss this because I was once told that I should move to Williamsburg and that it would be like very me. Like if I were to go to New York, Hmm. like, yeah, I could see you in Williamsburg. What (laughs) was your inspiration to move to New York?
1: I've been like very much mostly in the Western US, like even – When my family and I would travel or go on road trips, it would be like California or um, all of that. So I had never come to New York until I was, I want to say 28. I should know the year 2016, 28. Okay. Um, And like my friend was coming for business and she was like, hey, do you want to come with me? Like I have a hotel room. We could just stay in my hotel for work. And like, I know you wanted to go to New York, whatever. So uh, ended up like another one of our friends came with us and then another friend randomly was here for work too. So um it's funny now because like I hate Times Square, which you know everybody who lives in New York hates Times Square. But her hotel, of course, is in Times Square. And I was just like I love this place so much. Like I love the energy about this place. I just cause I feel like I have a lot of kind of like I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it felt like the first place I had ever been where I was like, I feel like this place keeps up with me, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. l- like Boulder's so laid back and, you know, everyone's nice or whatever, but I just always felt sort of restless there. Um, so I was like... You know, and we went to all these different places in New York. We actually came to Williamsburg um, to go to dinner at this place called the Four Horsemen, which is um, owned by the guy who does LCD Sound System, if you know that band. But um, it's like a really great wine bar. But um, and I didn't really think that much of it. I was like, okay, this is like Williamsburg. Like we were on Bedford Ave, uh, which is the main whatever. And I think actually I thought. Brooklyn was, like, lackluster the first time I came here. I was, like, people who are living in Brooklyn are, like, kidding themselves. Like, Manhattan's where it's at. Yeah. Um, So then I just was, like, I want to live in New York City. Like, I love that place so much. And I, I was, like, you know, I'm fairly young. Like, I'm single. Like, maybe I'll hate it, but I want to just try it, you know. I, it was two years later that I moved because, like, I had been working for this startup company that I was really, like, invested in emotionally like a lot of blood sweat and tears so i kind of had wanted to see that through um and you know it's just a big life change so uh finally i started like applying for jobs when i felt ready to leave that one and then i got a job and moved in july of 2020 and then (laughs) i moved to the what it was like the west village soho because i was like oh my god like that's my favorite part of new york like it's the best part whatever I love it, but it's not my personality. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not for me. Like, I'm very, like, I don't know, kind of, like, a gritty person. I don't know if that's what I'm trying to say, but it's, like, too (laughs) polished. I'm not a polished person at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So, then I ended up moving to the East Village, which I love. That's my favorite neighborhood in Manhattan. If I was going to live in Manhattan again, I'd live there. It's, like, much more, like, gritty, like – a lot of weird shit there, (laughs) like um, (laughs) just like super interesting people, like very fun, like more of my vibe. But then I got into the music scene because I started learning to play the drums when I moved here uh, because I had no friends and I had time to do that. Um, And there's like a really cool music scene in Williamsburg. So all my friends are here. So that's how I ended up in this neighborhood. But Uh, I love it. I think
0: it's the best. I think it's interesting when you think about all the different neighborhoods of New York and, like, how people with different personalities or, like, interests gravitate Mm -hmm. towards different areas. I guess that's true everywhere, but I feel, like, hyper-specific in New York.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, it is a very specific energy in a way I don't feel like it necessarily – I mean, maybe in LA it's kind of the same, but Mm – and it's, like, some. if people have never been to New York, it's hard to explain, like – like, I'll be like, oh, I live in Williamsburg. And they're like, oh, Brooklyn. And I'm like, well, you don't understand. Brooklyn is, like, huge. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I don't know.
0: It's very interesting. Yeah. No, I have a couple of friends who are, like, gravitating towards New York and they're thinking it's their next step. But Vanessa, come with us. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Like, it's a big jump especially coming from somewhere that's laid back like san diego is one of the most laid back places like if mm-hmm. everything moves in slow motion here i don't think anyone has a job i don't know how anyone affords to live here <laughs> <laughs> and like doing the big city thing is like a commitment like you no longer can drive to do your errands and you have to like minimize what you take from the grocery store up into your <laughs> house because you can't walk with five bags things like that like it's definitely Would be an adjustment, but that's very cool that you did that and made the jump
1: Yeah, i'm so happy that I did. I love it. I mean Like to your point the things you're talking about it is a hard city to live in and Like it's very inconvenient to live here (laughs) But (laughs) if you love it you love it and it's like I just kind of forget sometimes that I used to like Be able to go to the grocery store and get as many groceries as I wanted Not just the ones that I can carry with me, you know, so
0: Yeah So on The Rocks, we love to do cocktails. We love to talk about cocktails. And I see you're drinking a cocktail. We can't see that on the podcast, but (laughs) we're drinking some sort of wine. Uh, Do you have a favorite cocktail? Mm.
1: Yeah. I Well, I drink, like, cocktails seasonally, um, I would Mm -hmm. say. So uh, in the summer, it's definitely a frozen marg. I'll drink those any season, if we're being honest. But in the summertime, I'm drinking that. All the time. And then uh, probably in the fall, I switched to like a gin and tonic. Except for now I've been drinking... Because I find the tonic to be too sugary. So now I've been drinking gin and Topo Chico, which is like, you know, mineral water. So sort of similar to tonic, but not no sugar. Um, And then now that we're in winter, it's a Boulevardier, which is a uh, variation of negroni you
0: have to explain <laughs> okay and negroni
1: yeah instead of gin you use uh bourbon so it's bourbon campari sweet vermouth um you're supposed to do one to one to one i like to do two parts whiskey one part campari a half a part of sweet vermouth but you know it's just really whatever works for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so cool. i've never heard of that before I am it- still new to this game, so I'm learning. What is your favorite cocktail? Um, mm, I am still discovering this. I would say if I've ever gone out and gotten like a cocktail from a fancy bar, it's been like a Cosmo.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. they're very pink and sugary and it makes you feel safe and you're like not asking for something you don't know how to order. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was like in college, I did not order a Cosmo because I didn't know what those were. I wasn't that cool, but I would order like a whiskey sour that was like my solid go-to. But now I can't drink those. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no. If I go to like a regular bar, it's a vodka soda, even vodka water. Like I am that girl because I'm like, give me whatever's cheap and will get me drunk. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you gotta do. (laughs) Yeah, but when you go to like a cute little fancy bar, you can't be like, hey, can I get a vodka water? They're gonna be like. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you in the <laughs> right
1: place? You're like, uh, actually, the bar is uh,
0: two blocks down. <laughs> no, they don't tell you that. Like when you turn 21, I mean, it depends if people start drinking, but like going up to a bartender and like ordering something if you don't know what you're doing is like kind of very intimidating.
1: I, I will say, even until probably I stopped feeling this way when I was like around 30, but I would always just be like so nervous. To like order, like I thought they were gonna think that I was like had a fake ID or something, or like, and and it, I would be like Mel, like you have to be confident when you're ordering your drink, or else they're gonna think you're underage and you're lying. So then I'd feel this like weird pressure, and then I would just be like, oh, I, uh, What's your favorite cocktail? You like, oh my god,
0: no, yeah, and even asking them what their favorite cocktail is, they look at you and they're like, So you don't know how you're doing? And they're like, Fuck yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, I know. I wonder if we will ever get to that point. So I want to get to know more about your background and maybe a little bit more about what you do in New York. So you said before the interview, you said you're starting a new job. So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that.
1: So I um do finance for startup companies usually. So uh, and specifically like food manufacturing companies. Um, so in Boulder, I, um, my friend started at a hummus company. I wasn't, I didn't go to school for finance or accounting or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, I was what out did of you college. For? Uh, psychology and economics. Okay. I thought I was going to be like a therapist. And then I was like, uh, I don't want to go to school that long. And so then I was like, well, I've got to make money. So like, what's a practical, um, major I could do. So I was like, I'll do economics, I guess. And then I ended up really liking economics because it's actually a lot like psychology. You're just putting numbers behind how people are making decisions. But, hmm. um, so it kind of, it's not exactly the same as finance, but it, the math part, the modeling part, like ended up helping me be able to do my job now. Um, cause like when I say I do finance people, a lot of times are imagining like Wolf on Wall Street or something, and that's nothing like the finance that I do. Like, really um, trading stocks
0: on the floor.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm like in spreadsheets, saying like, "Oh, this is how much money we we're supposed to make this month, and this is what actually happened." You know, um, so you're kind of just telling the story mathematically of how the company is performing, is what I would say, and then trying okay. to. A plan for how it could be performing in the future. And of course you're never right. So then you're adjusting and all that. But, um, yeah, my friend started like a hummus company and he was like, Hey, I need someone to do my finance. And like, you're good with numbers. And I was like, okay, I'll try this, you know, whatever, why not? Um, and so then I just like had to build out the whole finance and accounting function. And like, it was a wild ride. Basically I had a job I never would have got if it wasn't or would have taken me years to get if it wasn't for the fact that my friend started the company and like gave me a shot. So it was a really cool experience um, for me. And I really liked it because I'm super passionate about food. Like um, growing up in Texas, I didn't know anything about food. Like I literally did not know that guacamole came from an avocado, (laughs) which (laughs) sounds so like duh and obvious, but that's just how far removed I was from like understanding food. Like I didn't understand nutrition at all. Like, and then I moved to Colorado and um, like Boulder's a very foody town and started learning a lot more about food and like supply chain and all of that. And just like, I'm very much a believer that um, like food is medicine and like what you eat um, impacts how you feel, how you behave, like, you know mm. making sure that you're getting the right nutrition is so important just for you functionally like for longevity and all of that so um so i mostly work in the food space because i feel very passionate about it its impact on our environment so this new job that i have um they make uh basically vegan products <laughs> but they try okay. to make them to taste exactly like the animal based product they use like ai to do that that part's like way above my head all i know is it's really cool and it's like tastes really good and they're trying to help the environment because like one of the biggest factors to or one of the biggest threats to the environment is livestock um they consume so many of the resources and then like gas emissions so um they're trying to help the environment through changing the way we think about food so um yeah i'm doing finance for them and it's super exciting it's like cool I I like working for a company where I care about what they do. Um like that's yes. super important to me. Um and I'm I'm lucky that I can do that cuz not everybody gets the opportunity to do that, you know.
0: It must have been interesting kind of growing your career since college and you know learning the ins and outs of different companies and like what you actually like cuz when we get into jobs most of the time, like your first job out of college is likely something you don't really feel passionate about, but something you mm-hmm. just like have to do to make money. And then you're like, oh, I hate doing this. And it's like trial and error consistently for years. Um, how, has be- how has your experience been like, you know, from college to now with with that process? I'm I'm like getting into that stage of life. And I think it's really interesting I'm about mm-hmm. to start applying for jobs and all of the things and I would love to know, you know, how it's been for you.
1: Yeah, so I guess I've been out of school ten years. I graduated May two thousand ten, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a student employee at the college. Um, I went to CU Boulder, and they were like, "Do you want to do this full time? Because we have an opening." And I was like, "Sure, great." You know, so I got very lucky in that regard, where like I knew what my job was going to be after college within January like of my last semester. I don't know, it's hard to think about now. I I don't like I, I knew it wasn't really what I wanted to do long term, but it was just like a job and it paid really well and it had great benefits and I'm very much like I think people have different philosophies, like there are people who live to work and then there are people who work to live and I'm like a work to live person cuz I like love to do like creative things. Like I love to have a good time, but I, I, it's never been something I felt like was going to make money for me, which, you know, I have a ton of friends who are in the creative field and they figured out how to make it work. And I think that's really cool. But I just, I'm not like a creative in a way that would make me money type. (laughs) So I kind of always knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I was just like, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to find satisfaction in work. Um, but then when my friend started this company, I mean, I guess that's one thing I would say is like, you know, there are some people who know very clearly what they want to do. And like, they go after that. And I think that's awesome. And like, they have their career path. They know the steps, but for most of us, it's like, we don't really know. And I think just being open to opportunities and like trying things, like it was pretty intimidating to have my friend be like, Hey, do you want to run? the finance department for this company when it was, I had never done it before. And I was like, well, I literally like at first I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because I had this very safe path, like safe career path that I could just keep following. I could have worked there for my whole life probably if I wanted to. But I was like, you know what? Like, I don't, care about what I'm doing why don't I give this a try and like I got to work with my friends which was really cool um and then so I worked there for I guess five years and then I didn't have to apply for a job again until you know I wanted to move to New York um and I basically just applied I actually applied for a job that was a little bit kind of like a step back technically from what I had been doing like the title was the mm-hmm. same but to me I was like I want to do it because again it was a company I liked and like it was a yoga company I thought what they were doing was really cool and like I really liked the people so I was like I'll do it um and I got a lot of great experience there but I think for me like what I've learned is that I do have to believe in what the company is doing otherwise yeah I just am like I have zero shits, <laughs> and like at the end of the day, the people I think is the most important part, like making sure that you're a yeah. cultural fit. Like if you don't like where you're working and the people you're working with, you're just gonna be miserable all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I've been really lucky because I found like really great people to work with, and actually all of my jobs since then have been. Through My network of people who are just like, hey, we have this cool opportunity. We think you'd be good. Like, do you want to come work here? And I'm like, well, hell yeah, because I know you guys. I like you guys. I like trust what you're doing. So um, yeah. I don't know if there's any wisdom in that, but <laughs> that's been
0: my journey. Yeah no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's like a process that I think it, I've, these are like all of the things I've heard in theory, but haven't seen them like applied for like, it's like who, you know, it's what you try, it's where you end up. And I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't really like know what I want to do. Like I'm a comm major. I'm like, well, I could do a bunch of things. There's not one thing I'm like dead set on. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting when I think about like the future of where you go and it's all about experience and all of those things, which I think is really interesting that like, that's pretty much how it worked out for you.
1: One thing I will say that I learned sort of in a painful way um, that I think is really helpful when you're like first starting your career is, well, one, like understand how your company makes money (laughs) because at the end of the day, that's what they care about. And if you understand that and you know how to support that and like have conversations around how you're helping to make that happen, then like, that will for advance you in your career, like more than connections, more than your experience, more than anything. If you're like, at the end of the day, I get what needs to happen here. And this is how I help make it happen. Like that'll help you a ton. And then also um, like, learning to think about how do other people think, <laughs> like, you know, cause you're approaching things from like a communication standpoint, but like sometimes when you're talking to other people, they're not. So like, if you're talking to a finance person like me, I'm like numbers, 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 yeah. but like, that's something I had to learn was like when I'm talking to a salesperson, I can't just talk to them about the numbers. I have to talk to them in the way they're thinking about their job or like a mm. marketing person, you know? So the more that you can kind of like understand people's perspectives, like, more effective you'll be because you know how to talk to them. You know what they care about, um, and then also people just like you more because <laughs> you're yeah. like not talk. You're not talking at them. You're like talking with them. If that with makes them. sense, yeah,
0: that makes a ton of sense. Career advice with Mel. I love this. <laughs> While she drinks her wine and thinks about her to do list for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So now you have a podcast now, which, you know, I have had experience listening to and all the things. So how did you jump from finance and food to having a podcast?
1: When I moved to New York, I, um, well, I didn't know anyone. I had no friends. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to make friends again at the age of 30, which like, I mean, you'll hear people say it's really hard to make friends as an adult um and it it is like yeah because it's kind of like by that this point in most people's lives they have their friend group and like people aren't necessarily looking for friends you know they're like i have my group of friends like i have my people yeah. that i like like you know whatever um mm-hmm. and i was having to learn how to navigate my career um because when i left my job in Boulder. I kind of reflected back on some things where I was like, you know, I th- think I didn't do them that well. Like I need to change the way I do things. Like okay, again, career advice with Mel. Um <laughs> like do not do domestic tasks at your job, especially if you're a female and like you're first starting out. I mean, do a good job, like care for your business and the people around you, like but I would like you know let people be like oh i don't know how to use the printer will you just print this for me and i'm like oh sure of course so happy to help you know but then that does change the way people view you because they're not like mm. you're a leader they're like you're the person who prints my pages for me as like terrible and classist and horrible as that sounds like i yeah. i never thought about it that way and then i was reflecting on like a few comments people had made to me when i left and i was like people did not respect me the way i thought They did like now looking back on it. So I was trying to learn how to like present myself in a way where people would respect me. Like, and you know, I'm like a team player all day long, but I was like, there's a way to be a team player, and there's a way where you put yourself below people that you can't totally overcome how they're going to view you. So I was trying to learn how to do that, and it was like totally not in my like wheelhouse cuz you know I'm like a middle child and I'm like I just want to like help people and encourage people yeah. and so having to learn like not to just take this sort of I don't know what other word for it but like subservient role all the time but being like uh no oh I don't know how to print things either. Ha ha. Like I literally would lie. I would be like, oh, I don't know how the printer works. Ha. Huh? You know. But then people are like, Oh, she doesn't know how the printer works either. They stop asking you. Like if you'll do things. <laughs> Anyways, I should stop talking about this. But
0: no, it makes sense. <laughs> I get it. I get it.
1: Um. So I was trying to learn how to do that. Trying to make friends. Um. I like, think the city is just hard. Like it's a, like there are so many things. Like doing your laundry. Is not easy here. Like almost nobody has a laundry machine in their apartment, so you either have to go to a laundromat, or maybe you have in your building, or uh, now I just drop it off. But anyways, that's
0: beside the point. Um, <laughs> I feel like everyone gets to that point where they're like, "I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dropping my laundry off."
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's ten bucks. I do it, you know, once every two weeks. It's fine. Um, but I was talking to my friend. She's exactly ten years older than me, um, and I was like, nobody teaches you about these parts of life like nobody people will tell you about like your career path practically but they don't tell you about like understanding the politics of how businesses work and like Mm. you know they don't I mean people don't tell you like you should go to therapy now more and more people are telling you you should go to therapy but like you know (laughs) how how do you become like a well-adjusted person like I was like there are so many things that like we're not taught and um fortunately i had friends who were older than me who were helping me with this stuff and helping me navigate and i was like i wish people would share more of this stuff because this is like gold so um initially i started the podcast with my friend julie who's 10 years older than me and that was kind of the goal and we didn't want it to be like too like focus on one specific topic. So we called it a little buzz and it was just like whatever people are like buzzed about, like whatever, you know, they either know a lot about or get some excited mm-hmm. or you know, like I care so much about mental wellness and like the best ways to like fully grow into yourself and like be comfortable with yourself, but then I also like love music, so I'll have people come on and talk about things they're doing musically or like people who have creative careers, like how did you get to have a career where you can make money off your passions. you know, So it's kind of like anything, but it was really just the idea behind it was like, why don't people talk more openly about how hard it is to learn to grow up? (laughs) And like, let's talk about that.
0: No, I love that. I think that is something that I value when I listen to podcasts. I value vulnerability and openness and people discussing what's not comfortable to talk about because that's the things we weren't raised with. Mm -hmm. You know, like our parents don't want to introduce all of these very uncomfortable things in our life. They want to make everything look shiny and pretty so we don't give up. Mm -hmm. And then we get to a point where we're like, oh my God, I don't know how to continue. Or like different phases and stages. Like from me now to five years from now, I'm going to have completely different struggles and I'm going to have to learn and adjust in different ways as I go. And having something where you can go to someone who's been through it must Mm -hmm. be really nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I... I think like for me, the most damaging mindset that I've had to work to unlearn is like this concept of arrival. So I think, you know, like because people don't talk that often about their struggles or like the hard part of how they got to where they are, you know, it's like it's easy to look at people and think, well, I should just be like that. Or like you just get to this point where like you know what you're doing in life and like you've just got it handled and you just figure yeah. it out. Like to your point about your parents, like your parents are meant to provide a stable environment for you. So they're not meant to be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as your parent, <laughs> it is their job to make you feel like they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, then you have all these, you know, so many people who don't know what they're doing, but you just think they do. Cause it looks like they have it together. So I don't know. I I was like, I got to get rid of this idea that you just get to a place where you're like, I've got it all figured out because nobody, it doesn't matter how old somebody is, like, they do not have it figured out because you can't control what life's going to throw at you. And like, you have to like learn and adapt on the fly, you know.
0: And then you become more of an adult and your parents are like, hey, surprise. We don't know what the hell we're doing. I don't know how you got to this point. Like, this is where we are now. So let's, you know, and then you have to realize your parents are humans. And it's a really weird, like, thing. Yeah. That's
1: I just something- started my
0: parent therapy. Like, my, I got to the parents in therapy after oh, six yeah. months. And it's like, whoa, my parents are people.
1: This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's actually my favorite question to ask people when I'm, like, dating. I'll be like, when when is the moment you realized your parents were just people? And
0: it's always so interesting. <laughs> That is interesting. So I like the fact that your podcast is is kind of based around the concept of like f- discovering your humanness mm-hmm. and like realizing that like things don't, you know, get easier or you don't know what you're doing. What are some ways like up until this point right now that have helped you cope with understanding a bit of your hum- humanity?
1: I don't know if you – know what the Enneagram is. I might have asked you about this when you were on the podcast, but.
0: Yeah, I still don't. People keep telling me and I'm like, oh, man, every time I go on, I don't like what they say. So I just keep acting like I'm something I'm not. So I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, what I think you have to have a friend take it with you because they'll force you to be honest about your responses, you know. Um, uh. But the only reason I bring it up, it's like really an ancient um personality test like they literally don't know where it came from like it's been around for at least 4000 years um mm-hmm. and what i like about it is it doesn't assume that your personality is stagnant so it talks about you in different phases hmm. of like what you look like in unhealth what you look like in health what you look like fully developed and it like assumes you're on the spectrum and it like continually moves through your life so it's like here's how you avoid pitfalls whatever it actually that was a really important tool for me because uh, I've always been somebody who felt like I felt more than other people, like I was more sensitive than other people. So I always felt like my hum- humanness, my like vulnerability, my pain, my whatever, was too much and was more than other people. And so I'm an Enneagram Type Four, <laughs> and it turns out Enneagram Fours are like the most feeling like they feel things the most deeply, they're the most impacted, like, and so it's kind of like, you know, for people who have chronic illness, when they've been suffering with something their whole life, and they finally get a word for it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. not that they're just crazy, but it's like a real thing is happening to them. That's what the Enneagram was like, for me, like emotionally, I was like, oh, there's not something totally defunct about me, like, this is a part of how I am made or who I am or whatever. And there are other people like me, even though Enneagram fours hate the idea that anyone's like them, but (laughs) that's beside the point. Um, (laughs) So that helped me a lot. And it it helped me because it says like, as an Enneagram four, like vulnerability is your superpower. Like Mm. your willingness to accept your humanity is your superpower. And so I had felt so ashamed about those things and through the Enneagram, I was like, oh, this is a part of a way that I, sorry, contribute to the world and to people around me. So I started like trying it out, <laughs> you know, like I would be like, I'm going to say this thing that feels embarrassing or makes me feel like ashamed or like uh, maybe I'm just a total freak or weirdo. Somebody sends a text like this, I freak out and like, you know, when somebody sends like a K text and you're just like, oh yeah." My God. Whatever, and like the more I would just be honest about that, like people would respond really well because I think, I think we're so desperate for vulnerability, Um, and so the I mean honestly, the more positive affirmation I got about choosing to be vulnerable and choosing to expose my humanity and being like, there are some parts of me that are like gross that I don't like that are like mean, and I know they're mean, but. I'm just a human, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't have nice thoughts all the time. And like the more I would be that way, people would be like, yeah, totally. And I would see it helped other people to feel like they could be vulnerable. And so it was just this like really sort of rewarding like feedback system um, that helped me get there. But yeah, I uh, the Enneagram and then um, actually this book called The Four Agreements, which I will talk about mm. all the time. <laughs> I think
0: that is the best book ever. I've heard of it, but I know that there are four agreements, and I know that that's a thing. But that's about what I know about it.
1: Okay, so true confession: I talk about this book all the time, nonstop, and I've only read two of the four agreements. So just wait <laughs> until I read the other two. I am going to be <laughs> transformed. Oh my god! But the like most important agreement to me that he talks about is um this concept that like everybody's response to you is really just a reflection of something in themselves. So like, don't take anything personally. And that has like really helped me so much. Cause like, if somebody doesn't like me, I'm like, it's not about me. It's about something inside of them or, you know, and so it's like things that used to feel so risky because of how another person would view you or something. I'm just like, Doesn't matter. It's not about me anyway. It's about them. So, why don't I just live my life the way I like and the way I want and the way that feels satisfying? Because people are going to feel how they're going to feel and I have no control over it, you know, regardless. So, 10 out of 10 would recommend that book.
0: I definitely know it's something I need to read. I find myself like really wrapped up in a lot of self help books Mm -hmm. and I get stuck on one thing and then I stop reading it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yep, this is it. This is the answer. I've discovered it and I, you know, I have to put it into practice. But I think it's really interesting what you said about like learning about yourself and using that as a superpower, because Mm -hmm. that is something that I don't think a lot of us do. Because I think a lot of us are so scared to like actually talk about who we are and actually be who we are, because everyone in our life has told us that we have to be, you know, this very stable, complete Mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the point where I realized I was a pretty highly sensitive person, I started being like, oh, you know, my friends like tell me more things when I'm open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's come back to bite me in the ass a few times. And I've learned that like there's a balance between being vulnerable and oversharing. We discussed this on your podcast. Yeah. Um, and that's like in therapy, my therapist is like, I thought she was gonna drop me for a while because all I could talk about was this concept of like learning how to balance being vulnerable, but also maintaining friendships because I don't share every single thing that's ever been on my mind. Ever. So it was this weird combination, but I started learning that, like, I don't want to give up that vulnerable side of me just because people can use it against me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to stop sharing things just because I may be perceived as someone who isn't as strong as I come off initially. And all of these different things. And I started, like, being like, okay, this is who I am. I like me. Mm-hmm. I like enjoy me. And I'm going to start being more of me because I'm going to find the people who. I feel like connect with the most yeah and what I was gonna ask you about was you had this new phase of having to remake friends like in your 30s when you moved to New York
1: it was really kind of freeing in a way because I think your 20s honestly are your hardest time in life you're learning how to be an adult you're like learning how to take care of yourself you're navigating like R- romantic relationships in a way that feels riskier than I think when you're, you know, in high school, um, or even college, because you're like, you know, is this person going to be the one or is this, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, they're so like, I feel like things are so structured for you, um, in high school, less so in college, but still a little bit. And then suddenly you're in this place where it's totally unstructured, where you, it's on you to go to work or not go to work. It's on you to, like, provide for yourself the right nutrition or not do that. Like, it's on you to, like, not drink too much the night before, you know. Um, And so I just feel like your 20s are your hardest time. So, you know, I I (laughs) had people who Knew so many embarrassing things about me. Like, they knew so much about me, like, as I had been transforming in my early 20s. And so it kind of felt like a fresh start to at 30, when I finally felt like way more comfortable in my skin and who I was, to be like, people don't know me. I don't have a history with anyone. Like, I don't have a reputation. I don't like, so what do I wanna create? What do I wanna build? Um, and it was cool because, because I felt so much more like comfortable in who I was. And you know, I think that's something that evolves all the time. So I'm not like tied to like a specific identity, but I just, I felt, I feel very comfortable in my own skin. So to then choose to make friends from a place of like knowing who you are versus when you're, you know, when I, when I was like in my early twenties and I was like, I just need people to be my friends. You know, I, I, like, I literally, it was hard because I was lonely a lot, but I was like, I would way rather be lonely than like just find people to be friends with that are not who I want, you know? And, um, I found that through a lot of patience and crying because it is hard to be alone. I ended up finding like a group of people that like make me feel alive you know that I feel like excited to be around that I feel like make me better a better person than I am but um it's it's hard but for for me it was like so freeing too because there's no baggage there's no emotional history you know I felt like I could be my fullest self because the like past selves that sometimes I felt like weighed me down in people's minds like wasn't there anymore.
0: That's such an interesting concept. I've never thought about that, but I do think it's very true. Like that was, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have a podcast because I was losing a lot of friends, like more than I ever thought I would. You know how people Mm -hmm. go to college and they're like, "Yeah, these are my college friends. We're gonna be friends for life," and they just are. Mm -hmm. This is not happening for me. Like, (laughs) I'm not seeing myself with these people forever. But it's good to know that it gets better, and you have less and less baggage, and you get to kind of restart. If you choose to do that.
1: Yeah, I actually I'm friends with maybe like two or three people from college because I'd heard that too. Like, oh, your college friends end up being your lifelong friends. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I am really good friends with one girl from college still, but those are not my friends, like my closest friends I met later in life. And um, I I think it's hard, especially when you have so much like history with someone to Mm -hmm. like be like this isn't the person for me because you've you've spent so much time together you've gone through so many phases you know so I think that can be hard but like now all my friends I make are people who we like view our life the same way we like want Mm. the same we sort of have the same perspectives about how to live life like how we want to treat people and so it's like very authentic connections based on like truly enjoying each other versus like connections that are from like guilt or time
0: spent or like, yeah. you know. It's good to know it gets better. I like really like that concept.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I It does. I literally tell people like the older I get, like the more I love life like you know i think Mm -hmm. we're so like in american culture we're so obsessed with like this idea of youth or something and that like the time of your life is like when you're in your 20s and you're like young and beautiful or whatever like literally i was talking to this girl this was (laughs) pre-corona but we were at the bar and she's like i'm so depressed and i was like why and she's like i'm turning 30 today can you believe it's so old i'm like first of all 30 is not old (laughs) yeah secondly like." I like, uh, okay. Actually, if you're into like star stuff, have you heard of the return of Saturn?
0: Isn't that the,
1: it's like every 27 years, earth is back in the same position with Saturn that it was when you were born. And so it's like a very like transitional time for you, um, where you transform. And, they say it's like 27 to 29 years or something. And literally when I hit 28, like something just shifted in me that I cannot even
0: explain. So huh. it's
1: it's even in the stars. It's just like <laughs>
0: <laughs> it gets better like astrologically, I swear. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also a um no doubt album. So <laughs> there we
0: go. It has there to be go. real. Uh I guess from that, I mean, I I wonder if this, I hope it's not like a triggering question. I mean, you seem to love your 30s, but like what would you say is the biggest difference from you from like where you were at 22 versus where you're at at 32, more specifically?
1: I think just like I care a lot less about what people think about me, you know? like, um, And like when I was in my 20s, I'd be like, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. Like I'm blah, blah, blah. I totally, I cared so much about what every single person thought about people. I didn't even like, I cared about what they thought about me. Like, yes. <laughs> And I think especially as like women, we're like so trained to like be agreeable, to like be nice, to make people like you. And like, if people don't like you, then like you're the problem, you know, and, and like you just feel people's expectations. Sometimes you make them up like people really don't have expectations of you. But like I'd be like this person expects me to be like this and this person expects me to be like this. And like trying to juggle all of these expectations real or imagined that people had for me was just like literally my brain was always there. Um yep. And now I'm just like. It's I, I'm not going to say that, like, especially if you're a highly sensitive person, like I can tell when people are not happy with me, when they think I'm too much, when they, you know, whatever, like I can tell that, but there is like, just more of like a piece in my body where I'm like, I feel it. I feel like the initial desire to be like, wait, no, I can make you happy. And then like the part of me that's like, like Mel, you don't, why? Why? Like, why are you doing that? You don't even like that person. Like, who cares what they think about you? You know. So, and I can't. Ex- it just took time. It took time.
0: I appreciate hearing that because <laughs> I think that's something that I I completely resonate with in the in a lot of ways. Where it's like weird when I literally could even be on a zoom call and initially tell how someone feels about me. And I like, mm-hmm. it's like this weird sense that I have about people. And it definitely makes you want to be like, no, let me change to be what you want me to be. Cause yeah. be like me, this is going to be easier. And I'm like, I call myself an old soul. Like a, I, my, my parents say that I'm like 40 stuck in a 20 year old's body. I've always been that way. And I've, Get, I'm getting to that point even more now where I see it. I acknowledge that I don't like that they don't like me, but I also realize that I don't like them in a way. Like, you know, yeah. I'm trying, even dating, I'm like trying to evaluate more the concept of like, do I even like the person that I'm begging to like me? Mm-hmm. And like realizing my value and my worth and just even my time and my energy because energy is such a big thing for me. Like Mm -hmm. we give so much to people who don't deserve our energy and emotion. And it's crazy to think that like hopefully, you know, that will fade for me.
1: It totally will. And like, I mean, I know I said this when you were on my podcast, but I think it's cool because like you're already thinking about this kind of stuff. And when I was 22, I was not I was so just like I just need everyone to like me and how do I get everyone to like me and like (laughs) I I was just responding out of like total like subconscious like trauma and you know um (laughs) like the way we're socialized to be especially as females like so much of that and so you're already like on the path you know and it it does. It just gets easier. It, it was really interesting. I was on um my friend's podcast. Uh, she does this podcast called "Have a Good Cry," which I'm a big fan of having a good cry. But um, oh my god, I love that name. <laughs> she had me talk through like um like I I basically hated myself probably for the first two decades of my life. Like thought I was horrible. Like was never good enough. Whatever. And then versus now, where I'm like. I love myself. I think I'm great, you know, whatever. And I I was reflecting on it and I was like, the only difference between the me I hated and the me I love, there's no difference between those people. It's just now I have like tools, awareness, perspective. And that all for me mostly came through therapy. So this is my plug to go to therapy if you haven't already done <laughs> so. No matter how well adjusted you feel, you probably need therapy. Um, but I just I think it's cool because at the end of the day, like every single person like who they are is is exactly who they're supposed to be it's just like your perspective of it and the way you interact with other people can be so hard sometimes but it's like you're already there you're already who you're supposed to be you're just learning more and more about that person and how they engage in the world and like what makes yeah. them unique and their strengths and their weaknesses which on the other side of every weakness is a strength you know so i'm just saying keep going everyone <laughs>
0: Anyone listening? One, go to therapy. Two, it will be better. <laughs> it will get better. Will. No, I definitely agree with your tools and, and things because, I mean, I since I started therapy in the last six months, it's completely changed my perspective. And I think having perspective based mm-hmm. off of like anywhere in your life because you're never going to be in the same place, but you're always going to be in this the same body and the same mind, soul. Mm-hmm whatever else that is in this thing and you know learning how to cope with who you are and your humanity is the best lesson we can learn i think
1: i agree a thousand percent, okay. <laughs> a thousand
0: percent. i think you have a ton of time to prepare a quote but would you possibly have a quote to share with us to wrap up Not today's it. episode
1: um <laughs> okay <laughs> actually this quote comes from the movie anastasia and it is a song one step at a time one foot then the other (laughs) just take a step in front of you you'll get to where you're supposed to be don't think about you know 20 years down the road just you've got a step in front of you today take it
0: i love that and i love that it's from a disney movie and a
1: song My friends make (laughs) fun of me all the time because I'll be like, one step at a time. And I don't actually know the words. I just know like the first part and then I make up the rest as I go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad we got to have this conversation today. And I want to make sure everyone knows where they can find you. Go ahead and shout yourself out. Where can we find Mel and her advice? And her dancing videos my
1: dancing videos yeah that's a whole other topic um you can find me at hey like hi hey mel west um or you can find my podcast it's a little buzzed podcast and instagram is a little buzzed podcast (laughs) or um you can find it spotify apple podcast stitcher whatever people
0: listen to awesome well thanks so much for listening guys and thank you mel for coming on and being the guest today
1: thank you so much for having me i right.